Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. Capella University's game-changing FlexPath format helps you learn at your own pace and fit earning a degree into your life. From before you enroll to after you graduate, you'll be supported by people who are invested in your success so you can pursue your goals knowing that help is available if you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is the James Altucher Show on the Choose Yourself Network. Today on the James Altucher Show. I have that comedy muscle. That's I'm naturally, I'm naturally inclined to come up with funny shit. That's how I've always been. Is part of it kind of is is all of this related to getting over that fear? Yes. There's so many layers of fear. Seinfeld even has that joke. People would rather be in the coffin than giving the eulogy. Yeah. yeah. Have you ever wondered how Kobe Bryant became an Oscar nominee? Did you even know he's an Oscar nominee? I didn't know until I listened to my good friend Cal Fussman's podcast when he was talking to Kobe Bryant. These are the kinds of questions that Cal gets answers to in his podcast, Big Questions with Cal Fussman. Best-selling author and Esquire columnist, Cal Fussman talks to people who have lived the life and loved it. From Kobe to Dr. Oz to Tim Ferriss, to Seth Godin to Larry King. And heck, I'm going to go on his podcast. I'm dying to know what questions he's going to ask me. He's known as the best interviewer in the world. These are really deep, thoughtful conversations, and you'll end up with burning questions answered and a few new ones to think about. So, Please subscribe to Big Questions with Cal Fussman now in your favorite podcast app like Stitcher or Apple Podcasts. ACT, that's A-C-T with an exclamation point, is trusted by small businesses for over 30 years. They grow your business by making every customer interaction count. Try ACT today. Go to act.com for a free trial or call 888 888- 643-6400. Mention this podcast for a free Amazon Echo Dot with any new subscription. See the details online. Call 888-643-6400 to grow your business this year with ACT. That's 888-643-6400 or visit act.com. So I've got Godfrey on the podcast. Godfrey, yeah. how's it going? What's up? What are you what are you looking at on, on your phone? I was looking at LeBron James and his family. It's awesome. He's just awesome. All right, yeah. I'll have to I'll have to check just him out. Just popped up. I didn't know you started. I was like, <laughs> we're starting. We're starting. <laughs> all right. And so Godfrey, you've been a, a comedian all over the place for 30 years. 20. I've seen you, uh 20 plus. 25 to say here here 18 years. So like 22 years. Your yeah. first time in New York though, 1995, right? 
And then yeah, I, man. When I yeah, I, I wasn't living here yet. So and then yeah. I presumed you started before then. Yeah, yeah, in Chicago. Yep. So so yeah, like yeah, that's like a long time. Damn. Uh, I'm there. How so? So how'd you start? Oh, uh, college. I was in college, and um, I just was like, you know what? I think I want to try this comedy thing because I think it's because uh, in um, college, that's when you start free thinking. You know, you start going. You know, you start trying to. You're a pretend adult. You know. And you start uh, getting into radical. I started getting into radical stuff. Like I'm, I'm a radical, more like uh, African American empowerment and stuff like that. Because I went to a very white university, University of Illinois, and so I was like. And then I would talk. I would like, you know, I would hold court and with my buddies. And then I was always the funniest dude. And you know, and then the stuff I was saying was intellectual too. And then I remember this girl I was dating. She was like, "You should, you should do comedy. You should think about it. You said you were thinking about it. You should try it." You know what I mean? So it was. It, 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 I got motivated in college. So and you go up on stage and just. Well, I went. Um, what did I do? I uh, when I went back to to Chicago because I I was I went away for college, just about two and a half hours away. I went back and I was hanging out with my friend. And I said, "Yeah, I'm thinking about doing comedy, man." And he goes, "Yeah, I used to do that shit. I tried it." And then we then we actually I did a comedy team. We did it like a a sketch thing first. My first time on stage, I was with another guy. His name was Alex. Yeah, it's weird. We said, let's just try it for shits and giggles, see what happens. So we did that for about, you know, and that was nerve-wracking because I had never been on stage. We signed up for an open mic. We were at a restaurant. It was called Ed DeBevick's. It's like a famous restaurant in Chicago. Ed De and we were sitting there. It was 4 o'clock, and I remember the, the open mic was at like 8 or 9 o'clock. So we had a couple hours to say, hey, let's just write some sketches and try a team. So I was like, all right, let's do it. So we did it, and we went to, you know, open mic. Signed up. You know, it's not like in New York here. You have to have a bringer show. I don't know if they... I don't even know what they do in Chicago anymore. But we didn't have a bringer show. We just showed up to open mic. Didn't matter who was in the audience. You didn't have to bring anybody. You just showed up. You just brought yourself. All right? And so then uh, we, we, we picked out of a hat, a lottery hat. And we were like eighth or ninth or something. And I remember the guy, his name was Paul Toomey. Was it Paul Toomey? Yeah. Mike Toomey. Mike Toomey is the guy that brought me up. He's a, a Chicago... Why do you remember him? <laughs> Because he was the first person to ever bring me up on stage. Really, really funny. And I remember Mike Toomey. And I, he remembers me still. He brought me up, me and my friend. And we did, I can't remember. We did some stupid ass sketch. You know, we don't, I've never done comedy before. But that was the scariest shit I've ever experienced in my life. It is. Woo! That people, was scary, man. Damn. There's so many layers of fear because people are afraid of public speaking, for instance. That's but, like the phobias. They had a, they had the ranking of the phobias. It was public speaking, stand-up comedy was number one, and dying was second. Right, right. So and Seinfeld even has that joke. People would rather be dead. If people would rather be in the in the coffin than giving the eulogy. Yeah. yeah. Because, of the, because of the phobias. But I would say stand-up comedy is even scarier than public speaking because yeah. People could just be. If you give a talk, you can. They don't have you, to laugh, right? They, you just have, have to get through it. Yeah, but and like, if you have a joke while you're public speaking, it's cute. Hey, I was funny. Yeah, I just happen to be funny. And but in 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 comedy, I mean, everybody subscribes to something different. But you kind of have to get people laugh. That the whole point is, you gotta get people laughing at some point. Yeah, nobody goes to a public speaking event and go, man, I better get some really really important information. Or I'm leaving. Or, you know what I mean? No one, you or know. Or I'll feel bad. Or I'll feel bad. No, people just go, oh, okay. It was informative. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, but comedy, everyone's like, you better be funny. Right. She better be funny. It's like this demand. You right. better feel my need. You must, you must, we are here to be fed and you better give us what we want. 
or we're going to be pissed. Yeah. You know, no one comes from a public speaking game. like, damn it. You know, all that damn information on Bitcoin. Right. Shit. I didn't get enough. No, it's not that. Right. You know, and that's why comedy is the hardest form of entertainment. The hardest. Even now, I do it pretty well. And I still know like, wow, this is difficult. <laughs> well, difficult. I want to get to that. I, I first, I, mm -hmm. I feel like I should mention, you've got like a ton of credits. Like if you go to your Wikipedia or IMDb, you've been on like a ton of shows been on, you were a spokesperson for 7 Up. 7 that Up. Was fun. Uh, what were some of the shows? Everything from like. Well, I've got 30 Rock. Uh, I've done Comedy Central. I used to do Premium Blade, Comedy Central. I have an hour special, Comedy Central. Now I have an hour special on Showtime. VH1. I When's did the hour? I didn't know about the hour special on oh, Showtime. Oh, it's called Regular Black. I did it in 2016. It's still on, it's on demand, Showtime. I did it in Chicago. So it's called Regular Black, and it's cool. I'm proud of it. And uh, yeah, I've done like Comedy Central stuff. I did. Um, VH1, MTV, Ring Break. I did all you know, all the regular shit that you do. You know what I mean? Guest I've, star. I've on seen you a couple times on Louis. Louis hooked so, me up. First two seasons of Louis. That was a sweet hookup. That was a great that was episode. An <laughs> that was a great episode where he's trying to get like a date. And a date like, and me no and problem. Artie Fuqua. Yeah. We brought him to the club. And yeah. it's funny, we shot at a club that me and Artie used to party at. That's what's hilarious. It's called Don Hills. And then Downtown. he tries to like yeah, that was do what great. You're doing. He just directed the whole thing. Just he was great. He, was, he he just knows what he's doing, you know. So I got hooked up with that. Shot, done some films, Soul Plane, Zoolander, blah blah blah. You know, it, you you end up doing things when you stick around long enough. <laughs> and like, uh, uh, so I wanted I wanted to just mention that mm -hmm. just to you've been you've done all these things, but mm -hmm. I always hear. Everybody gets back to stand up. Like this is the raw yeah. skill. I've like, never not, not that you wouldn't want like a forty million dollar movie or whatever, but yeah, right. But Jeez. but everybody nice. that I have on the podcast who's been in all these movies, who's been a stand up before, they always say stand up is the raw skill. It's the they raw. Always get back you don't to want it. to lose that one. That's why I feel sorry for like Adam Sandler dudes, Eddie Murphy. He always wanted to come back. I was I had the pleasure of talking to him for like a half hour about why he he doesn't want to come. He's not sure. I said, well, I I think I know the reason. You're scared. Hell. You know, I mean, you're Eddie Murphy. You're like one of the greatest comedic, you know, people in in history. You're the highest grossing comedian ever. Like you have some of the two of the most famous concerts ever. You know, you are the greatest SNL member ever. I don't care what anybody says. Right. He was the baddest dude on there. It was the Eddie Murphy show. You know, that's why the black people on there now are like, mm, Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> not, no, no, the black dudes that they pick are not going to be at Eddie Murphy. And so, time. what's what do you think? You think and he was afraid. He was away from it for too long. Listen, if I'm away from comedy for two weeks, I'm like, ah, ugh, I don't know if you know you, you're rusty. Well, you know, it's, I'm used to doing it every day. It's funny. Stephen King once had a bicycle accident, and he was in bed for like two weeks at recovering. Was that that autobiography Stephen King on writing? Uh yeah. So it's in it's in, well it's in great the book. this story's in in the autobiography. Yeah, it's great. And he. He literally couldn't. It took him a while, even just two weeks break. He said even after a three-day break. Three-day break, he, right. He, I feel like, ooh, I got to get on stage. I'm feeling a little rusty. Because what do you think happens? And like oh, the, I mean, it's just a habit. It's habit. And it's just like you're, it, when you, I think if it's your love for something, when it's a lifestyle, you know what I mean? When it's, it's like not going to the gym. If your lifestyle is working out, you feel funny when you don't go to the gym. But you, know you might I mean? not be out of shape if you don't go to the gym for three days. But that's in your head. You're like, I'm out of shape. I'm, I, I got to go in. What am I doing? How did I? How do I only do three days a week? I'm do, I do five days a week. You, it's a it's a little paranoia, you know. Yeah. But I think that if you love it, I like my paranoia in my performance. You know, like a guy like Chris Rock, 
guys like Louis, guys like Jim Gaffigan still do stand-up. They come in, work on their shit. I'm telling you, no comedian wants to lose that ability. And the problem is, is that ability has to be honed all the time. At least, at least, at least three times a week. At least three times a week. Especially if you're super, super famous, you want to get in at least three times a week. That's what I'm saying. And, and rock and those guys do that. So what what is that ability for you? What is that ability? Um, like what is the stand-up ability? What is the stand-up ability? Because because there's lots of it seems to me there's lots of micro abilities. Like I've seen you do stand-up a number of times. There's of course humor. There's also kind of what you're doing with the audience, like reading the audience and slightly controlling the audience. But that's all comes with the experience. That whole all of that comes with reading the audience, interacting with the audience, connecting with the audience. That comes from doing it a thousand million times. You get all those skills when you do this a thousand thousand times. So when you were first starting, yes. and let's say when you're first starting doing stand up, were you aware that you didn't have these skills that No, I knew Like how I are people protected? I to, knew that I was funny. I ain't gonna front. My first time, I murdered. I'm not gonna lie, and I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I was like, uh, "I killed." What the fuck? They're laughing because I could change my voice. I was good at voice shit, and blah, blah, blah. and so I was like, "Damn!" I was. I'm not gonna front. I was funny right out the box, but I didn't have jokes like good, you know, like I have now. I have real shit to say. Of course, no comic. I don't care who you are has anything great to say at the beginning. You right. know, I didn't. You know, com comedy is a language. It's a language. Like if you're learning Chinese right now, you're gonna start from a, the basics. Like I've seen people do comedy. Like, oh, I'm 40 years old. and I'm starting comedy. Okay, ABC, motherfucker. That's so right. What's you're ABC? gonna be 60 when you get the shit right. That's so. You don't think there's any? I always Fuck try no. to ask people, like in every field, not just comedy. No, right, in every right. Field. Is so, there a like a yeah? Is there no, a way a steroid? Because I, you know, why I can tell there's not a steroid because the guys I came up with. We're all funny, funny as fuck, and not a lot of people can follow us. We're funny as shit, and we had to work at it. Like, we had to work at it. I mean, I was funny off the bot. I got, I got buddies in Chicago. I, my, all the guys, that came, we were funny as shit, but we didn't have the, we didn't have shit to say. We were just doing jokes. Like, you ever, da 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 don't you hate when that happens? That's nothing. That's like, but we were just naturally funny. I came up with Robert Kelly, Bill Burr. Patrice O'Neill. These are dudes you can't... I mean, what, I'm not going to front. Some of the comics I see now, I'm like, what is that shit? Godfrey's not... I I, try, I had to follow you like a few weeks ago uh, when you were at Stand Up New York, oh. and I couldn't. I like bombed for like half my set, and I was like, man, I really... I, it, it wasn't until they realized that I wasn't going to be you until they flipped over. It was like five minutes of me just like... But I, I'm, I'm just saying, yeah. like, it's not a bragging thing. No. It's not none of that shit. I don't have time for that because, you know, I what I do is I go up on stage regardless of who's on, I still go on stage. I still do 10 room, 10 people rooms. I, I'm not too good for this art form. I never think I'm too good for this art form. That's a lot of times these comics get like too big for the art. And this art form will knock you down every time. When I, when I um, did Comedian with Seinfeld, I, I've been in like three, four com comedy documentaries. And I was in Comedian with Seinfeld. And I, and I remember he asked me, he saw my set. And he said, uh, man, he's like, I've been wanting to talk to you, man. How long have you been doing comedy? And I really thought I was the shit. I was like, yeah, I've been doing it like, like nine years. You know, he goes, okay, that's kindergarten. So he goes, that's your age in comedy. That's your age. Don't forget that. That's your age in comedy. You're a nine-year-old in comedy. That's the greatest advice. Man, that's the greatest advice. So when you're in year two or year three, how do you 
keep pushing forward knowing like, oh my gosh, I got 17 years left. But I but I loved what I was doing. Uh -huh. The fact that when, when I first got on stage- Do I you go, measure I, like little bits of progress yeah, and kind of congratulate I don't, I, yourself? Man, I respect comedy too much because my history of comedy is ridiculous because I'm a prior guy, Carlin, Jackie Gleason, um, Johnny Carson was my hero. I, Jonathan Winters, you're talking about Mantan Moreland, Pigmeat Markin, Slappy White, Timmy Raj. I knew my history, Red Fox. I knew my history of comedians. And when you learn the history, which a lot of motherfuckers walk around here, I go, learn the history of comedy, man. Read up on that shit. I learned about George Burns and Gracie Allen. I learned about comedy radio. I read books on everything. And Laurel and Hardy, three, I learned about comedy. And I had a respect for it because these people were in their 60s and 70s still doing it. And they, you know what I mean? And I was like, it's a real art form. So I never approached comedy like, oh man, never did. I was like, this is some hard shit. So what, for, for you, what's the ABCs? What, what is ABC? What is ABC of comedy? Yeah. Shit. Like um, the basic language. Um, the basic language of comedy. You know, it's that's a that's a good question. Cause my well, I mean, I can say what the ABCs are because I'm like, I've been doing it a long time. Yeah. But I think for me it's it's control of the room, per energy. Energy does not mean hyper. Right. Some comics are hyper. Some comics just stand there. Like, look at Stephen Wright. He can control the whole room, and he barely moves. Right. You know, it's an energy doesn't mean <laughs> that shit. No. Energy means being present and controlling the room and people going, who the fuck is that guy? Like, you know what I mean? And my, my approach, you know, it's very conversational. I'm very conversational. That's my style. I, that's why I'm a big Carlin and Pryor fan. They just talk. They're just having a conversation, but it happens to be a funny conversation. You know what I mean? Like, I'm the type of dude that will say, I just saw some shit, and I'm going to talk about it right now before I even start my set. I'm going to go, yo, you know what the fuck? I would rather bomb with a new joke than, than kill with a joke I do all the fucking time. It's about, it's just, me, is, it, the ABCs for me is just control, I mean, I don't know, control the room, being present. I mean, I don't know if I sound corny. No, 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 no. That's, that, that, you know what I mean? That's very interesting. So let's take, let's take, let's take the control the room part. Mm -hmm. um, what's the ABCs of that? Control of the room. Um, because that's useful for not only comedy, but like, let's say, public speaking or sales I, or negotiating. Sometimes working the stage. Sometimes, you know, in public speaking, there's certain points of the stage that you make certain points. It's subliminal shit. You know, that's what Tony Robbins talks about. I forgot the end something. It's a little method that you use yeah, he, when he you speak. Yeah, he, he refers to NLP. But, NLP, uh, right. So what, so what does he but do? But there's certain is he... things like when you make certain points on the left side of the stage, you say this for that, the middle stage is when you stress this kind of point. It's like working the stage is important. If you're a person that works the stage, you work the stage. I think holding the mic, there's a lot of little things that are important. Sometimes I remember when there was a point where I couldn't even, you know, you'd be so nervous. I'm like, even if the mic was wrapped around your leg, you left it there. You're like, shit, I don't want to do that shit. They might boo me. I don't, you know, you know what I mean? But it's like, mic, the way you handle the mic, um, just it's not really that much. There's only a few things. It's just doing it a thousand times until you get good at it. You feel where I'm coming from? Yeah, like there's you're you're saying essentially there's there's subtleties that you pick up. Like maybe right. the holding the mic in a certain holding way with a, a certain yeah, crowd. Because when you first go, you go ahead. But then when you're ten years in, you're holding the mic a totally different way. You're speaking with it a different way, like it's part of you, like it's an appendage. But 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 let me ask you this: like you yeah. said, um, like let, one thing you just said is if the mic's around you, you might not you might leave it alone because right. you're afraid that they're gonna boo you. Yeah. Is part of it? 
kind of is is all of this related to getting over that fear that yes. they're going to boo you? Yes. Is that what helps it's you to paranoid. be present? Man, when you first start comedy, there's so much paranoia because the failure, the failure, the failure, um, uh, um, energy is there. Like, uh, because everyone people say when people ask me, "You're a comedian, are you funny?" I go, "Yup." They want you to go well because they it's they they feel like it's a probability. Being funny is a probability. That's where they. That's where you know they don't respect it as an art form because mm. it's a real art form. It's a real a craft. Fuck that. I'm gonna say craft, crafting. Because when you craft something, you're molding shit. You're you're shaping shit up. It's a real craft. There's a there's laws. You know Gene Perret. Gene Perret is a famous comedy writer. Look at his book. He has books on comedy writing. Gene Perret. He's one of the most famous comedy writers. He wrote Carol for Carol Burnett, and he talked about the law of threes. In comedy, there's a law of threes. In sitcoms, law of threes. When you hit a you you know you hit a punchline, tag, and then another tag. That's it. It's there's a there's laws of it. You know there's some jokes you do that you can kill anywhere you go. It's your best joke and it always works. Why? Because you've crafted it to where you have. There's laws that make it work. Period. It makes even if it's a shitty crowd, you go. Let me use my best joke, and you still get a laugh out of that. You've crafted that joke to where the timing is perfect, the way you said it is perfect, the wording is perfect. It's a craft. It's a real art form. So, so you know, but you, you also mentioned that sometimes you'll talk about what happened to you. Yeah, yeah. Just I, coming up onto yeah, the stage. Man. Yeah, I love that. So, so which, how much of your act would you say? Like, let's say you're doing fifteen minutes, twenty minutes. Mm -hmm. How much would you say is? You sat down and like wrote it and practiced it, and I've never sat down. I don't sit down and write shit. I take notes as I live. I just live like they said. How do you go? You get your joke. I go when I hear something or something's really good. There's an important word. I put it in my phone or I write it on a napkin. You know what I mean? I don't write full paragraphs on shit unless it's like, oh, I need to use this line. It's real important. But I write ideas down. That's everyone has different ways of. Different people are shorthand. Some people longhand. I don't sit there and go. Let me write some jokes. Unless I'm writing on a show or something, but I just live life and go, oh shit, because I have that comedy muscle. That's I'm naturally, I'm naturally inclined to come up with funny shit. That's how I've always been. You know, I go, oh, that's funny, man. Oh fuck, it, you never, you ever just in your own head go, yo, it, you, you're just thinking of a funny joke. It's like songwriters. They go, damn, I was in the shower, got a song about spring. It's the same thing. It's I think it just comes. Uh, that's where phenomena comes in. Because your brain just, your brain is so, it's so amazing. The brain is so amazing. Can you really figure out how you came up with a joke, man? Can you, well, well, can like, you really, you just thought it came in your brain, dude. Like, well, like Seinfeld, just, Seinfeld says the, the, I'm just pulling a quote from something. I don't know where it's from. Uh, he basically says the comedian is always looking for the weird in every situation. So like, I'll, I'll take your uh, set from, I think it was a just for laugh set. Uh, you're talking about yoga mm. and you're noticing all the weirdness in yoga. Because yoga- Like every step you, of the because way. Because you try to go the opposite way, uh -huh. but that's what we are about. We try to go against the grain as comedians. We try we try to, yeah, because like yoga, I took five years of it. I took a, uh, I took Kundalini for two and I took Bikram for five. So I'm talking about yoga because I was in it. And then I go, and then people go, yoga, this is great. I go, there's a lot of fucked up shit in yoga. So I, we always try to look up the fucked up shit about it. And that's the kind of comic I am, though. I got to find the twisted shit about it. That's what most of us do. We try to break it down and go, you know what I fucking hate about yoga people? Because to me, comedy comes with anger. You could, well, like Seinfeld said, he's always annoyed when he's on Stern. He goes, I'm always annoyed. Always annoyed. 
I'm oh, and but that keeps you going. You have to be annoyed by shit. You you can't be like, fuck. You have to be annoyed. Something has to go. Ah, what the fuck is this? You know what I mean? And you gotta find that's where you to me, where you find the funny is the anger. I don't care about who you are. All comics are angry. Different levels of it. They don't, it doesn't necessarily mean you show it on stage, but there's an anger. It's there's some kind of fuel get making you funny. I think it's anger personally. That's funny. So I'll have to I'll have to be a more angry person in general. You uh, might be an angry motherfucker. You just might don't show it. You're like, yeah. hey, no, it's you're probably, probably true, a actually. horribly angry person in your own little way. So, you gotta be. <laughs> no, I'm. I have my moments. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but make uh, sure those moments are funny as shit. <laughs> no, I think that's part of the mm-hmm. part of the skill is making them is that's part of the craft is how you take those moments and and turn them into humor, kind of vomit them out as humor. Right, and that's from doing it a thousand thousand. And then there's some people that just aren't that funny. It's just not funny. You can write a great joke and it's just nat- it's really actually written funny, but the person saying it just mm-mm. there's some people who are not just not that funny. And how in general. How, how often do you turn over your material? So like come up with new stuff? I think every day. Yeah. I think I'm always coming up with new shit. It's kind of dangerous too, because like when I do shows on the road, you know, when I'm on the road, um, that's the one thing we had at the comedy cellar. Like we have a it's almost like a pact, not a pact that we all came together and drew blood, but we all have a pact of how respectful we are to each other's act. Like David Tell, who's to me one of the greatest comedy minds living. Like I've never seen anybody quicker than that dude. Like I, sometimes I've been around that dude so much. I've seen this dude come up with shit. I go, what the fuck did you come up with? Like he's so fast. And even David Tell, who people bow down to, like we go, David Tell, I've seen him do a joke where he'll come up to me and say, hey, man, do you do a joke? Da, da, da. Oh, I just wanted to see. He has that much respect, you know, like, because he's a guy who churns out a lot of jokes. Colin Quinn's a guy who churns out. I churn out a lot of jokes. And sometimes when you're on the road and you're with some middle act or whatever the fuck they are, <laughs> I'm saying that because they'll be like, they'll watch you changing jokes and then all of a sudden they decide to do that. I go, my man, you do that one more time, I'm going to kick you off my show. You're not that good. Don't fucking do that. Don't get, don't put my, Dave, Dave Chappelle always said, I didn't come here to put fucking shit in your cup. You know what I mean? Stay in your lane, do your little thing, and let me be the one that change. You know what I'm saying? Because I tur- I do a lot of different jokes because that's just how I feel. I don't feel the same every show. I never do. But Even if I do the same kind of joke, I don't even say it the same. So here's, here's yeah. what I always wonder. Like yeah. some comedians, they're not themselves on stage. They have a total persona. Like, 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 like Mitch, Mitch Fatal. Or I, I was gonna say Mitch Hedberg, but Mitch who, Hedberg. So so like he's just saying absurdist stuff the entire time. But Hedberg was like that. I did well, Montreal with Hedberg. I knew Hedberg. Hedberg was that guy though. Even though he said some really genius shit though, like right. But he was like that in real life. Hey, Guppy man, what's up? How you doing? That's how he was. He was the same guy, but he just had these phenomenal jokes though. He knew how to. It know. seems like there's some aspect of how you find what your authentic voices and that seems to take time but i'm just curious like when did you how many years were you doing ten, it 10 years before ten. you said yeah okay About i'm ten, actually now yep. godfrey on stage I'm, now i can begin and what were you what were 10 what, years what Damn was right. the difference between jokes pre-10 and post-10 oh shit um the like the the chance taking uh-huh. was more like you didn't you like i'm gonna talk about this i don't give a shit i don't give a fuck how people feel Right. Like, it's like most of the times your jokes are for you more than the audience. So I wonder if that's, if you could, t- if someone could tie into that, 
while still keeping, you know, developing the skill of being funny and so on, if they could tie into that feeling of, I don't care, I'm going to say what's with, funny to me. It comes with repetition, man. I can't even stress it. It comes with keep, you it, You know what it's like? Comedy Comedy is like you, like you watching yourself grow. Uh, like if you say you're five feet and you're going to end up eventually be six feet, that's like watching that. You can't. You're just going to be six feet. Like, oh shit, I'm here. But let's say, let's say someone goes on stage for the first time, uh -huh. as opposed to let's say someone goes up on stage after hearing you say uh, comedy is about you know anger and crafting mm -hmm. jokes around that. Mm -hmm. Don't you think that person will speed up their learning no. after listening to you compared no. to the person just starting? Nah, you ain't speeding shit up. <laughs> You'll get the advice, but comedy is just that form of art that you can't speed it up. Just, not because you're on a TV show. That don't mean you're still a good comedian. See, people like to go, well, he's on a TV show. Doesn't mean he's a good comedian. Right. Doesn't mean she's a good comic. I don't give a shit if she got a show yesterday. Anybody can get a TV show if you have the right look. You can blow up tomorrow. But your stand-up will still slack because you have not put the time in. I was talking to a person in a meeting. I was in this meeting. I'm not going to mention the network. And you would think they would know shit. And the guy goes, you know... People are getting funnier faster. I said, that's not true. I'm in the meeting of a network Me, I go, that ain't true. They go, what do you mean? I said, no, it's not true. I said, people are getting access to comedy quicker because of social networking, because of Facebook, because of um, um, YouTube and Instagram. You have other countries, like I've met Chinese stand-up comics who are doing comedy in a communist country now. It's an American art form. That freedom to talk to an audience and make fun of the government, it's happening in Indonesia. I met the most famous Indonesian comic places, and that's the most Muslims in Indonesia. They have the most. They're doing stand-up now. They're doing stand-up shows in Nigeria, my country. They're doing stand-up as an American art form because they were able to see other people do it. Now you got, you got foreign comics that maybe take my material and they become, they do it for themselves. You know what I mean? Because they have access through social networking, through technology. I said, that's what's happening faster. But as far as the art form, hell no. That shit is, it doesn't matter what they build. The art form of comedy cannot be rushed. It's impossible. You cannot rush it. You understand what I'm saying? And the guy goes, well, he go, I go, well, I said, I'm from that school of comedy. He asked me, what school? I said, funny motherfuckers, man. Funny motherfuckers. That's what, that's the school of comedy I come from. Fucking beasts on the microphone. I don't know what, I, and I said, I don't know what you guys got on your channel, but they can't fuck with us at night. And, and I'll, so, we, I'll blow that whole lineup away. So, so <laughs> it's kept it real. What did the, what did the network say? They what happened? Like, well, oh, boo, boo, boo. But he, he was mad at me at the, because I didn't kiss his ass. But I was just like, I just, he was just being a silly, he was just being an idiot. Like I go, I work, I'm on stage every night. I go to different countries. I've tried, I do comedy every single night. I do it to the people that are going to uh, Nielsen rating people. I do to the poor, to the rich, to the ghetto, to the I do Chinese. I do I'm they I I'm on stage every night to the drunk, to the drug, to the you yeah. know, I get people mad at me. I've done this every night. I continue to do it every night. How are you telling me at 9 in the morning that you know more about comedy than me? It doesn't fucking make sense. It's like there's a really good uh, interview with Roy, uh, um Mayweather um, Floyd Mayweather is talking to one of the announcers. You know, they're doing a little split box. And the, the guy is talking about, so are you afraid to fight Pacquiao? And, and, and Mayweather's like, I'm not afraid to fight Pacquiao. We just got to get the money right. And the guy's like, I think you're afraid. Da, da, da. He's never boxed. And Mayweather's like, have you ever boxed before, man? 
Have you ever boxed? No, I haven't. Then what the fuck are you talking about? Have you ever been in the ring? And the guy kept, he goes, dude, answer my question or I'm going to leave this interview. Have you ever been in the ring? Have you ever thrown a punch? Have you ever jumped rope? Have you? Then shut the fuck up. You know what I mean? It's like, if you don't, if you're not in it, don't tell me. You know what I mean? And that's the problem. It's like, comedians know what they're talking about. Why do you think comedians that like in the history of television, every stand-up comic had a damn near a successful show. Roseanne, Bill Cosby, right? Tim Allen, um, Ray Romano, Kevin James. You can just keep red fo they 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 were themselves. Their comedy, Chappelle show broke records, man, because it was his stand-up. It's what we crafted. All we did was take it to television. But when you interrupt that shit, shit goes to shit. You know what, what I mean? What do you mean interrupt that? What? When you enter, when when these fucking suits come in and fuck up your sensibility that you've crafted for years, which is very difficult, and they kind of change it up, you lose, man. You lose. Let's stop to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Yes, it's totally true. Airbnb has changed my life. If anything, they have made my life so much better. Like I used to live in Airbnbs. I, I lived in over 100 or 200 different Airbnbs over a three-year period, and I loved it. I, loved, I became a really good guest of Airbnbs, and I got to know lots of hosts. So when I initially owned a house, I, of course, the first thing I thought was, I'm going to turn my house into an Airbnb because I travel a lot. So why leave my house unused when I can make a side income by letting others Airbnb my house or come to stay in my house as guests? And having my own Airbnb or, or being a host for Airbnb has allowed me to do just that. And I've met other hosts. I've actually spoken at Airbnb's host conference. I think it was in 2017. I met so many just nice hosts. It's a great community. And I love, you know, turning my own home into an Airbnb. Like I'm traveling to Austin next month. My home's going to be an Airbnb while I'm away. And I'll stay in an Airbnb. I'd rather stay in like a three story house Airbnb than in one tiny hotel room in, in the middle of Austin during South by Southwest. So listen, while you're away, your home could be an Airbnb. Many people host on Airbnb, but there are people who are just letting their house sit empty, who've never thought about it or didn't realize their space could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and is a great way to earn some extra money. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, then you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Daylight savings time is starting up again. Okay, podcast is over. That's all you needed to know. But why do we have uh, daylight savings time? Answer, to give us more daylight from March through November. By setting your clocks forward, it may feel like there are more hours in the day that initial, when we initially start daylight savings. But if you're hiring, it doesn't necessarily help you find qualified candidates for your roles any sooner. There's only one way to do that, ZipRecruiter. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter works around the clock to find qualified candidates for you. Once you post your job on ZipRecruiter, they send it to 100 plus job sites so you reach more of the right people. 
this is such a brilliant idea for a business, and ZipRecruiter did it. So ZipRecruiter's smart technology also quickly scans thousands of resumes to identify people whose skills and experience match your job. I've used ZipRecruiter, particularly as a potential employee, and I still, to this day, get messages every day. James Aldacher, would you like to apply to be VP of Entertainment at NBC or whatever? So there's just nonstop emails. Like I got five or six emails today because of because a year ago I signed up for ZipRecruiter. So spring forward with a new hiring partner, ZipRecruiter, and find top talent sooner. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Hey, listen, men's health is important. Men act all cocky and like they don't need anything. But the reality is, as you get older, there's some things you need. And it often feels like we're too busy to take care of our health problems. Like I'd rather do anything than go to the doctor or the dentist or the pharmacy or whatever. But now you don't have to waste your time if you use HIMS. HIMS, H-I-M-S, HIMS is changing men's healthcare by providing simple and convenient access to science-backed treatments for erectile dysfunction, hair loss, weight loss, and more. The entire process is 100% online, so you get a new routine of improving your overall health faster. Jay, you listening to all this? Yes, I'm definitely going to use HIMS for now. Not that you need it. You're, you're young and healthy. James, I'm 35. You, you're getting there. You might, you might need it. Who knows? But if prescribed, your medication ships directly to you for free and indiscreet packaging. No insurance is needed. You can manage your plan on the HIMSS app, track progress, and learn more about your conditions and how to treat them from leading medical experts. Start your free online visit today at HIMSS.com slash James. Could you imagine that there's a whole section just with my name on it? HIMSS.com slash James. That's how I how much I am representative of the kind of person who needs hymns. That's HIMS.com slash James for your personalized treatment options. HIMS.com slash James. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See HIMS.com slash James for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscription plan. I just want to say thank you to everyone listening to this. Doing a podcast is the activity that I've enjoyed most in these past few years. I've interviewed so many fascinating people. I've researched so hard and I've really wanted to bring the highest quality information about peak performance really to the listeners. So I hope you enjoy what I've been doing. I don't ask for a lot, but please take a moment to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or wherever it is you get your podcasts. It will only take a second, but it will help other people discover the podcast. To see the show notes, just head on over to jamesaltacher.com slash podcast. While you are there, you can join my free insiders list to get notified when I post a new podcast. Once again, thanks so much for joining me on the journey of this podcast.
you obviously have been, you know, all over media. You've done everything from commercials to TV yeah. to movies. Uh, but you haven't had that boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Yet. Like people still, I'm that listen, Chris Rock moment. It's so funny because a lot of people I've been, I, I know you've been asked this a lot because I watch oh, a lot yeah, of interviews. But it, and I love when people bring it up. And, and the reason I ask it is because honestly, you're great. Like I, I've seen you perform downstairs here a million times. I've watched all your videos. Like you're a great comic. So what do you think is going on? Um, there's a lot of factors, man. It's hard to, because people, I've, I've, some of my friends have called me on other podcasts where my name was brought up and I wasn't even on the podcast. They said, oh, here's something I can't figure out. How come Godfrey is not where a Kevin Hart is or where a cat? Well, what the fuck is going on? There's so many factors. You can go, oh, my representation ain't shit. I have a shitty manager. Do I? I don't know. Do I? Maybe I'm not hanging out with the right people. Do I know that? I don't know. A lot of people in this business suck. Do I have to go hanging out with them? Well, also, you've you've also hung out with the best people. You I mean you're performing at the comedy cellar? I know, hung out with the best people. Even I remember this is when I knew it was crazy when Dane Cook, who Dane doesn't really fuck with people, asked me. He said, "How come you're not on SNL?" I said, "SNL rejected me three times, and I can fucking straight. I can do mad characters. They didn't pick me." You know, I don't. I I do. I go to auditions. I get some stuff. I don't get some stuff. I don't know. I, I hope that I'm not some woulda, coulda, shoulda motherfucker. But the stuff that I talk about too, I think also people don't take into account that race does play a big big part in this shit. People want to act like it doesn't. It does play a part. When you're, an, you know, whether you're a, a Jewish cat like yourself, whether you're a woman, white or black or Asian, they take that into account. Like I'm this African-American dude. I'm not fat. I'm in shape. I look like an athlete. da 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 the shit I talk about is very pro-black. I do pro-black. I'm a college grad, intellectual. Sometimes that shit might be in, threatening. It might. I don't know. I don't know. I'm thinking it's not far off. Right. So let's let's play with that. Let's play people. with that theory. So, yeah. like for instance, let's take who are probably the the big, three of the the big ones yeah. for the past 15 years or yeah. 20 years or whatever. Chris Rock, Dave Chappelle, Kevin Hart. Mm -hmm. So in your in that theory, you're right. They're they're thinner, thinner, Small, smaller. Think about it. And think about it. Uh, less, not you know, alpha, not yeah, really alpha. Like, like what me. I saw you do. See, you see, you're fi me? I saw figuring you, the shit out. I saw you do stand up once, and actually, it was the first time I saw you. And you were like, your foot. It was down here. Your foot was like on the ledge. And I love were, that. You were like, I've I've stolen that move now. Your <laughs> your foot. You were like looming over the audience on purpose. Yeah, and then someone like whispered all the way in the corner, and you just you were talking to someone. Some guy whispered all the way in the corner, and you just turned him and you were like, shut up. And he like instantly like that whole side of the room like shut up. Yeah, because I I like to just I just like to do things to fuck with people. I just want to I go I'm gonna be in uh, I'm gonna be a black man that you fear and just really use it today. I'm gonna use it. Fuck it. I'm gonna I'm gonna show show me my big fucking muscular black arm that you are afraid of, and see if I can be funny. No, you know what I, mean? I just it's almost like a, it's like reverse psychology. You know what I mean? Because what I'm trying to say is like it's just comedy, dude. That's all it is. All I am is a comedian. You know, whatever the fuck you see, because they judge you. They'll see you with the Jewish fro and go, all right, this motherfucker, what is it? He like a neurotic Jewish. Right. So you have, get, get, get. They so you have judge to play, you. You have to at least 
I uh, play it. that person. Yeah, you have to I at least find it. the parts of your authentic self that relate to that persona that's they're the seeing. But the comedy is you use what you have because you look at you, you know, when you see you, you're like, oh shit. Wait, I'm not going to be the alpha black male for no, the audience. No, you're not. <laughs> and if you do an alpha black male joke, it'll probably be mad funny because they go, right. how the fuck he know this shit? Right. You, 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 the, you might be the record producer that hung out with Spectre and Phil <laughs> exactly. Spectre. You never know, but that's why we have to use our physicality because race does play a part. Sex plays a part. Stature plays a part. It, it does. The fat black dude's going to be looked at differently than me. You right. know, the skinny black dude, not as great looking. I'm not saying I'm the best looking dude in the world, but I think I know from people telling me, oh, you're a good looking guy. That sometimes I've had situations where I'm in, in an audition and they don't, I don't get the part because they say they're going to give it to the dude that doesn't look as, as, as cool as the co-star. I've been told that shit. Like, ah, uh, he might outshine that guy. I've been told that shit. Does that make you feel good? And so, no, you're not working. <laughs> right, because not only that, it, it seems like you've also had a lot of starts, to like really amazing starts to great possibilities, like an animated show based on your life or, you know, all yeah, these yeah, great I, opportunities. I sold it. It didn't work. But you know what? You keep going. But part of this business is the failure percentage is higher in this business. You know you don't get right. everything. It's what it is. They've designed it to where you're not going to get a lot of sh all, shit all the time. So how do you deal with the psychology of that? Because that's part just, of the skill of I, being a great stand-up comedian. What's great is stand-up is what saves my sanity. Mm. Because every time I get on stage, I go, yeah, that's why I'm in this shit. Look at the fuck I do. The, the fact that I'm a stand-up, a good stand-up comedian, I go, you're goddamn right. Because you can always, first of all, you can make a living. You make a living doing it. You have fans around the country and the world. You're like, fuck, man, I'm... I'm in this fucking club. I sold out. What? You know what I mean? You you still go, this is a victory. So <laughs> You know, conquering stand-up comedy is a victory. And you, people need to realize that shit is hard. And when you're doing it well, you can't go, oh, I'm not in a movie. Motherfucker, you just made 3,000 people laugh with shit you created. Because we tend to lose because we get compared. Because, you know, in this business, it's always one black person at a time. Kevin Hart, that's the guy. And even when you come in for an audition, can you be like Kevin Hart? I go, I can't. Why? Because I'm Godfrey. I'm not Kevin. I'm not Chris Rock. I'm fucking Godfrey. You know, it's one black person at a time. You know, it's they do the business is what does that to us, makes us fucking envious and competitive shit. And com competition is good. Healthy competition is fine. Like you go, oh, that guy's good. I want to get as good as that person. That's fine. That's normal. As human beings or as creatures of this planet, everybody's competitive. Apes are competitive. Deers are competitive. You know what I mean? But this business makes it to where it looks like there's not enough. Like if a black person gets something, they get paranoid and go, oh, I have this. And then they all look to that one person. I know Steve Harvey shouldn't host 80 shows. What the fuck is that? They act like no other black person can wear a suit and speak to a, a screen. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, he does. He does. What is he? He does like four hours of radio every morning. He does four hours of radio. Family Feud, which he's amazing at. Um, he does the Steve Harvey show. He has two Steve Harvey shows. Then he has the, the pageant. Then he has the big shots. Then he has the religious channel on the gospel network. He does oh, stuff on the gospel. Oh, yeah. Then he has the old people big shot show. Wait, wait. What's the gospel show? Is he doing it's gospel? A, he, there's a, you know, he's a church guy. You know, church people love him. So he does church stuff on that. Something N religious network, RN something. Really, huh. I've seen him on all that shit, you know. And then he does, um, um, he hosts, yeah, he hosts about eight, yeah. It's like, but I go, 
Hey, you know, there's, it, it's almost like a form of racism when they give too much to one person of yeah. color. It's like, spread it out, dude. And it's not about me giving it to me, but just other people. What the fuck? No, I, I look, and this weekend There's, is a great example because Black Panther broke every oh, record possible. Beautiful. And oh. and so maybe that, who knows if that makes people change things or if they just say that's a superhero movie. Well, or sometimes, and you know this business, when black people, anybody brown or minority gets something good, it almost makes the power of that be mad. They get upset like, fuck that. You know, they it, it, it can either go one way or the other. Like, this is great. Black people sell. <laughs> We've always sold. I mean, we were sold, for Christ's sake. We always make money. So you, you feel me? So we're very marketable. Hello, slavery. But it's like, um, it can either make people angry because there's some people protesting Black Panther because there weren't enough white people in it. And I go, first of all, the title started off black. What the fuck <laughs> are you thinking? You know what I mean? It's the Black Panther. It's in Africa, uncolonized Africa. It's fictitious. Why can't we just... It's not a black movie. What You can... I, do you have racist vision? I don't... I, I mean, you you can't stand that there's brown people moving around on a theater. We grew up on white cinema, dude. Like, that's all we watched. If, I, if you want to talk about American movie classics, my mother was an American movie classic fucking expert. Marlena Dietrich, all right? Um, Greta Garbo, fucking, uh, you know what I mean? Uh, what is that? Robert Mitchum, Clark Gable, uh, Spencer Tracy, Catherine Hepburn. We could keep going. I know all these actors. Sidney Poitier, there's one. I mean, fuck. I mean, white, we've watched white cinema. I love superheroes. White ones. I see Batman, Superman, Spider-Man. Spider-Man's my favorite. It's nice to see us. I we Why can't I have powers? First of all, the shit that black people do in real life. God damn, give us a superhero. I I mean, be, be That's honest. Funny too. It almost feels like they made superheroes to oppose what they saw us doing in real life. Like, okay, they run fast. Let's make a character that does that shit. <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm saying? That's funny. I mean, we're running 9.500 meter dashes, dude. Give us a goddamn suit. Why is the flash still white? So I <laughs> why? I mean, you got Kenyans running two, 26.2 miles in two in two hours and three minutes. Why is the flash still white? That's all I'm saying. Give us at least give us some shit we do for real in real life. Give uh, us the running guy. All right. So let me ask you this. So you I've heard you say this in an interview where you were like trying to figure out or trying to work out how can you take control over your own hours yes, as an example hour. or, your, or your own shows or whatever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, in the way that, and so someone asked you specifically in the way that Louis C.K. does and your response was Louis C.K. could do whatever he want because now he's got this huge platform. But now with YouTube being so widely spread, like, can you make your own hour, film it, put it on YouTube, maybe not expect the dollars, but that's how you build audience. No, yeah. So I'm, you, I'm, giving, I'm giving advice here. No, I, you know what? I like I'm sure you've thought of it, uh, oh, though. Oh, no, yeah. I've, I've started doing stuff. I did some stuff like three, four years ago. I'm starting, because there was a point, I'm not going to lie, where everyone goes through. I was just mad at everything. I was like, fuck. Were you mad or were you depressed? No, mad. I'm not, I don't really have depression. I, I might have been, because my parents had passed, my father passed, my parents are gone. That could have been like a sublim, I mean, a subconscious depression. Because I was like, damn, my parents are gone. Fuck. I hadn't gotten to the where I wanted to get to. But I did some good shit, you know. And uh, there was a point where I was just mad at the business, mad at my representation. I was just angry, which is normal. It's artistic shit you go through. I was just mad. Like, I'm like, I'm doing well. I'm, I'm one of the best comedians. The shit I'm doing, I'm crafting. And yet, these fuckers are getting everything. What the fuck's going on? 
I go to LA, I try to do the LA shit and I can't stand half those people there. Everybody's weird. I'm not into like, I'm not into that fucking weird, like that. I mean, and I'm not trying to, and it's not about being a homo, but it's like not homo, but no, I'm talking about, I'm not gay. I'm talking about there's gay people who do gay things, but then there's people who want you to do that kind of shit and you're not gay. You get where I'm coming from, guys? It's not a homophobic thing I'm talking about. So I don't want anybody to misconstrue because people love to do that. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Compromising themselves to make it. I see that kind of shit happen. I see it happen. So and you I'm, see, you see people basically being completely fake in order to satisfy. To get, fake it till they make it, man. Yeah. I've seen it. I've seen friends of mine. They're on shit. They don't, they don't, they just change. It's like that, I, and you have to go through that shit. Like, and you know, and that's the one thing I think about LA that. I've had a few friends kill themselves in LA, suicides, you know? And it's like, it's, it's, it's a weird, to me, anybody that says they love LA is, is, to me, is a fucking nut, you know? If they're not working, because LA is a place where it's always sunny, but you're still angry and depressed. That's some scary shit. That's yeah. a juxtaposition of fucking feelings. Like, you got this sun every day. Sun's supposed to make you happy, but you're not working. You don't have a car. You can't get on stage, but the sun is out. Yeah, and so, everyone say, let's do lunch. So so I'm wondering why can't you not, not that you should do this. I'm no, just, no, no. I'm just Throw thinking it at out loud. Me, man. Throw uh, it like, at me. Come up with an idea. Maybe it's a special, maybe it's an oh, alternative you, to the special, and throw it up on YouTube I like and just what see what you're happens. Bringing up because I've been I've been creating stuff with a few writers. I'm mm -hmm. not saying anything, but I've been creating stuff. I've been self because I know I was told by some cats that like you're gonna be the type of guy that has to do his own thing. You have you you just have to. And you know, you you just have to. You're just that kind of. You have to do your own thing because there's a lot of things I audition for that I go, I'm not going in for this. It's the shit. You know what I mean? It's just like, nah, I'm not doing a lot of stuff that you read for. Bullshit. You just go, what? Nah, I'm not doing that. But I am on that where I'm because I had to get out of that mental like fuck everybody shit. And now I'm more like, okay, I need to roll up my sleeves and just stop bitching, stop blah blah blah. blah and get on my own thing because there's a lot of avenues. Like now, Instagram. I, I linked up with some Instagram stars. Some These guys are 25. I said, and they know who I am. And I go, right. King Batch, who's um, he has four, almost 15 million followers. Lorenny, he has one point, almost 2 million followers. And there's all this whole crew of Instagram stars. I said, I'm going to suck it up, throw my ego away, and I'm going to start doing sketches with these guys. So I started doing sketches with I, them. You did one right down here, right? With Lorenny, didn't you? Lorenny, Lorenny. Yeah. And man, when I did that, I did one in my apartment, one here, my numbers went up. And I almost gave up on Instagram. I was like old school, like, fuck this shit. And I said, you know what? Let me just try this shit. And my numbers went up. So then I got like a charge of hope. Like, oh, you know what? I think I'm going to keep doing this. I'm getting people. And then I started getting his fans. And then, and here's the thing about Instagram that I noticed. I thought... You might get lucky and throw out a, a video. Maybe you're doing a dumb, weird dance with a hat on and you, you it, it goes viral. Doesn't always happen though. I think the percentage of your shit going viral is lower. Now that I've learned to hang out with these guys, social networking is like a, a, a pop, it's like a boys, it's like a club, a popular club. You know, there's thousands of clubs in New York, right? But everyone goes to the same five club. Like the hip people go, that's what it's like in Instagram. It's like, if you're not fucking with King Batch, there's another girl by Amanda Searney. They're all the same. She's been on the podcast. 20 million. She's at 20 million. I did a sketch with her. Um, conceded the rapper who's on Wildin' Out. Rennie. I fuck with them. Now I'm a, I talk to them regularly. They go, yo, let's do this. Let's do this. So now 
my what I when I used to do uh, videos, I'd get like 300 views, 200 views. Now my views go from 10 to 20,000. That's my average. 10 to 20,000. 10 to 20,000 views. That's my average because of them. Because I'm in the club now, I'm kind of like I'm I, like you you if you're, you know through Instagram you'll see like they'll say lists comedians, things videos you should watch. I pop up on that. Sometimes people will share my videos with other people. They'll they'll tag me. Now I get the tags now. Hey, this guy, that tag and they'll tag eight friends in one video. I finally I I'm glad I I joined. I got in. I said let me not, my old manager used to say, let me not piss against the wind. You know what I mean? I went with it. And this is, and this is my, my, my Instagram is very active now. My Instagram's active. Also, um, I'm creating stuff with writers that I've, I've uh, joined forces with. <clears throat> writers. Also, for, for traditional TV or for? Traditional TV. Traditional TV. Also, I have, I shot a few things for YouTube. I shot a thing called The Village Idiot, which I shot, which I got. Oh yeah, I watched that. And and it's pretty. And people are like, dude, that shit is good. And you know who gave me that advice? Gave me that idea? Galifianakis. I've known. Oh yeah. I've known Zach since '96. Me because his, his um Two Ferns show is basically kind of like that. It's a YouTube did show. That after he was mad big, right? Which was still funny. Yeah. But Zach, I've known Zach, man, since '96. And Zach said you should do that. You see, he said you should because he came to the cellar one summer, like three summers ago. And he saw me and I, you know, I was like, boom, Zach. And everyone's like, how do you know Zach? I go, please, dude. I know Zach when he wasn't Zach. And so he goes, what you should do is you sh you're so raw and you're so, you're so good when you're yourself. He said, you should do like a thing where you, you record yourself on stage and you record yourself dealing with people. You're and then I did it. Well, like take, take for instance, what you just said about uh, the flash. Okay. Yes. That's perfect content for a three minute a two to three minute youtube video which would get shared all over the place Maybe, right like yeah. wouldn't that get shared all over the place yeah everyone would sit there because you're a particular style combined with that concept and you're coming up with that like every day or you don't even have to do it every day every couple days or every week that's going to be big your ch it's no more oh, this video has to be viral your channel over time gets viral or gets lots of subscribers because you're gonna have consistent good content right and so that's that's you, a it, Listen, that I all the stuff you're saying, I'm finally doing. Like, because TV, you're right. Like maybe you could have all everything lined up for you, and still nothing happens because it's just it's just a, a weird. There's gatekeepers as opposed the, to the masses. And what's really sad is the gatekeepers are, I think, are are worse now. The people at the gates are worse because now it's almost like. And I had a call, talk with Dane Cook about this shit. He, he was like, "It's so weird because when you go and pitch, it's like these people that." It's like they think that not being funny is how it works. Like there's a lot of people that are not funny that are on TV and you go, and then they have the nerve to call themselves comics. I go, you're not funny. Like why is, why didn't a Greg Giraldo get a show? Why, who was like, I'm talking about Greg Giraldo was like unreal. Like a lot of those comics didn't get shows. Why wasn't Patrice O'Neill on TV? Like what the fuck is going on? Like it was like the gatekeepers that came were the ones that weren't that funny. They got a position and go, all right, now I can thumb my nose. It's like almost like funny comics are like the bullies in high school. You know, like, oh, these are the bullies. But the, the you know what I mean? There's a lot of unfunny people. I'm not trying to be an asshole. There's a lot of unfunny people that are. And then, and then when they come to a club, you got to part the seas for them because they're on a TV show. But their mic game is horrible. It's like these shitty rappers right now. It's like, what the fuck is going on? Like. It's, and comedy, I thought, would never be that thing that would be 
you know, would be touched like tainted like that. I think if you're funny, you should be rewarded. If you're funny, you should be rewarded. But like Louis, if you're not funny, you should not be rewarded. Louis C.K. is a great example where yes. his shows were being canceled left and right. So he had Lucky Louis on yeah. HBO yes. canceled. Yes. He had something he, pilot he was shooting for CBS didn't happen. Right. And then finally, like FX or Fox approached him, and he's and he like, took a pay cut so they could stay out of his business. Right. <laughs> and so, so he kind of had to make this sacrifice, even though he was a funny guy. He was yeah, one of the best comedians out there. He still like the system was messed the up. The system was still wanting to fuck with his shit. He goes, "Listen, don't even pay me as much, just so you can stand on my business." They still wanted to come fuck the things up. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> I think he would show it to them the night before it aired. Was the, right, was the right. first time you showed it to them? Just so they can stay out of it. Yeah, and it, and it worked. Two Emmys later, damn! It's like, it's like it's so funny how comedy. I told, I I said this the other night. I said. uh, it's a because some dude after the show, after I had a good set, I was it was a nice set. He was with his girlfriend, and he's from he's from some Spanish country. He's like, you know, I wanted to tell you what you could say for this, and I go, I will not take your advice. I don't want you to tell me what I should do. I don't want you. I don't want your dumb advice. He goes, well, why? I said because you're not funnier than me. You're not funny. Are you a comedian? He goes, I'm a finance exactly. You're not funnier than me. I don't want your advice. I don't give a fuck if it's a word I need. I don't want it to come out of your mouth. I don't want you to have the privilege of helping me with a joke when you don't put your time in. No. If you're another comedian, I'll be like, hey, thanks. Because you're in you're in it. You're in the trenches. So I'll go, okay, you have the comedic mind. You get it. But not somebody that doesn't do comedy. I don't want your advice. Everybody's an expert in what the fuck we do. That doesn't, that don't do it. Everyone has something to say to us. You know what you could, nah, you know what you could do is not say shit to me. Um, so, that's how I feel. I, know, I'm protective of, of the art form. I put too much time in this for some bum to be like, you know what you could do. I, one thing about comics is we will never show up at your job. Never to give you advice. Never. Whatever job you do, a comic will never be there to tell you what the fuck to do. So it reminds me how nine out of 10 people think they're above average drivers, right? So it can't be the case that nine out of 10 people are above average. Only four out of 10 are above average. Right. So, but everybody's driving is that one of those subjective skills. Like everybody says, oh yeah, I'm a great no, driver. No, 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 no. So driving's not subjective. There's people who can't fucking drive. Oh, I'm drive, one out of 10 right, right. who admits he's bad. Right. So, I'm a good driver because you don't use your fucking rear view mirrors. You don't use your side mirrors. You don't know to change lanes. You don't know what speed... Oh, there's, no, I, I kill people. There's good driving and shitty driving because you're in a goddamn car and you know when someone's honking going, what the fuck are you doing? I wish I wished comedy was like that where we can honk and go, what the fuck are you doing? Get off the damn stage. But but it, but it also, but but it's like one of those things where, okay, let's say it's semi-subjective where people, people are just clueless. It's like poker also. Everyone sort of thinks they're good at poker because right. there's an element of chance. Right, no, comedy right. too, it sort of feels like, oh yeah, I make my friends laugh. So they don't understand well, yeah, it's that subjective. there's a complexity. Like, listen, there's some comedians, there's some people who don't think I'm funny. And that's fine. That you're right about that part. Like there's tastes. I'm not funny to some people, but every nobody's funny to every single person in the world. That's impossible. There's some people that you just they just don't get you. Like that's I get that. But as far as as far as like um I think the reason why people give us advice, let me tell you why. Oh, by the way, is this all subtext for the fact that I gave you advice about YouTube and Instagram and no, no, stuff no, like that? No. Are you all. like saying you you better not fucking give me advice not about at, YouTube? Oh, not at all. <laughs> Fuck no. I think I need that advice. No, I 
I love that. No, I always take in like, yeah, you're right, you're right. I I take that right. to heart. No, seriously. No, nah, that this is um the reason why I think people always feel like they're experts in comedy is because everybody has a sense of humor. It's a natural thing to have a sense of humor. Even dictators had a sense of humor. There's someone that made Mussolini laugh. You know, Mussolini was probably funny as fuck, like to some Italian cat. He's like, you crazy, Moose. Yo, you know what I mean? Mussolini, he was funny to somebody. Somebody was like, yo, Uncle Mussolini, yo, you fucking crazy, dog. You know what I mean? Everybody, and, and I think that that, because because comedy is, comedy is an innate thing. Everybody has the ability to laugh. Everybody has the ability to tell somebody something funny. That's a natural thing we were born with. But then when you become a professional at comedy, a person that says, well, I can give him advice because I've I, I, I made people laugh. You know, I'm funny. At, you know, my mom loves my shit. So let me talk to this guy who's a professional. And they don't understand there really is a separation. You know what it reminds me of? It's like, it's like playing football in the parking lot and being a, an NFL player. Big fucking difference, dude. Same game, but it ain't the same. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I play football in the grass with my friends, but it ain't the same when you got a helmet on. You know, what I mean? you know what I mean? You got a helmet on and motherfuckers run a 4.1. It's a big, di it's the same thing. It's like being in a hospital, you're the surgeon and there's a nurse and she thinks she's the same. I go, we in the same field, bitch, but I'm a surgeon. It's a big difference. No, I mean, I'm not taking, I'm not down in the nurse, but it's like a nurse telling me what the fuck to do. No, fuck you mean. You know what I mean? Clean up the bedpan real quick. You know what I mean? I'm fucking working on a heart here. I put 10 years in my fucking school, bitch. <laughs> you so, did six months. So it's interesting. Like er, er, earlier, you said how after all these I didn't years, mean to say bitch, there are male nurses, <laughs> asshole. I like how I like how every time you think you're like offensive to some like demographic, you always have to like uh, you have to kind of still apologize because this that's the environment we're the in. The environment we're in now, man. You got. I got to say, please don't misconstrue my words. Yeah, it's just you know my thing is I don't. It's like I don't give a fuck, but I give a fuck. I don't Donald Trump not give a fuck. That's like not ever giving a fuck. Like Donald Trump is out giving a fuck people that don't give a fuck. Even rappers are like, yo, I give a fuck. <laughs> you know, because rappers are the ones that come up with, I don't give a fuck, baby. I don't give a fuck. No, we give a fuck. You give a fuck about how many sales you have. You give a fuck like if you'll make enough money to feed your family. You give a fuck about your moms. All black rappers love their moms. That's real talk. So we give a fuck. There's a giving a fuck and not giving a fuck. But Trump don't give a fuck, period. He don't even, you know, and I'm not there. But I actually can't go, well... You know, because I, I don't need everybody to like me. I need enough people to like me so I can spend money and buy clothes. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I want to be prolific and edgy, but not where I can't buy a house. Right. <laughs> you mean, I want to be able to drive a nice car, travel. You know what I mean? I, there's enough people on the planet that will fuck with me. Because I'm not, I'm a generally a funny guy. I do silly shit too. That's why Carlin was so great. Because Carlin would be like, you ever go into a room and forget why the fuck you came in? He still did normal shit. Not only about the government and the government ain't shit, conspiracy. But he'd go, you ever take a shit? And it's like, yeah, I got those jokes. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm so, still sellable. So, so... You said you said in the beginning that after all these years, you're still going up stage, still, still I'm learning still last things too, and you're still learning things. So what what would you say are like the last few things you've learned about this craft, and what do you think you still don't know about the craft? Oh, the last few things I've learned is um, like subtle things, even subtle things. Um, you know what? I remember when heckling was my, you know, like when we, like I remember when we were all 
like starting out in New York, like when people would heckle us, man, we would fucking lay into people like, what, bitch? Or, dude, fuck, what did you say? Like, it was our thing to like, yo, like just strike motherfuckers. You know what I mean? But then one time I remember my girlfriend had said, she goes, you know what? It's okay. And she's like, she's like, I am not trying to tell you how to do things. She goes, but you should like, sometimes you're a smart enough, dude. Sometimes you should not always just fucking beat someone down. Because sometimes they're actually your fans. They might yell something out because they're so happy to see you. She goes, just listen to what they're saying sometimes. Because she's a listener. And I was like, you know what? You're right. But that took maturity. So little things like sometimes I, someone would say something. And I go, okay, now why did you say that? And then when they'd say it, I go, they were totally benign. They weren't even like, they'd be like, I'm a big fan. Oh, and my old self would have been like, yo, shut the fuck up, dude. Yo, shut the, I don't give a, you know, it was just because it was bravado. I was a, you know, gunslinger, pow, pow, shut the fuck up, pow. But now it's like, you know what? Listen to what they have to say. Like try to change that energy and make it, make that joke funny. And sometimes I would get heckled and I would take that joke, do it differently. And the whole audience would be on my side. They were like, that was so great the way you, you switched it up. And that's nuances on how to be a better listener sometimes. Because, you know, we're giving the jokes. We're always giving the jokes. But sometimes when you're listening, sometimes you listen, you know, that's like acting. Be a, be a good listener. And that's what makes you a better actor. And so little things like that help me out. Like being better at it when I get heckled. Because I had a problem, man. I had a problem with motherfuckers heckling me. I was like, shut the fuck up, you know? And would you feel bad afterwards? Like again, yeah, I really a, did. A lot of it is all about I did. the psychology of sometimes, rejection. Sometimes I felt bad. So there was times where you're like, nah, fuck that dude, they, the asshole. But there was times where I was like, damn, I didn't even mean to do that shit. I shouldn't have done that. Damn, I jumped the gun. But then now I just, anytime someone heckles me, I go, I listen first and I let them go. And then they look dumb when I ask, I, I have a different way of asking them. I actually let them talk. And So like, let's say someone says, uh, oh, you shouldn't say that. And I go, why? Why can't I say it? I'll just literally go, why can't I say it? I'll just make something up. Um, you can't say that about those type of people. What do you mean? Those type? Look at you're being just as racist as I am. Those type of people. That's disrespectful. You, all right. So you, you, So now this person's looking stupid. Now everyone's like, shut this guy up. It works, man. It works. That for me, it does. You know? So so what's uh I know this just sounds stupid, but what's another thing? What's another I'm 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 pulling for uh another nuance? To, yeah, another, another nuance thing. that you've learned recently. Uh oh, uh voice control. Like I used to, you know, coming from urban circuit and shit, you know, I would do both. You know, you loud, ah, everything was fucking forced. You know, you don't have to do that. Because Bernie Mac used to always tell me that you don't always have to, there's no such thing as you know, you can't be funny every single minute. That's that's not that's not the way it works. You can't be funny all the time. That's that it does even if the funniest dude is on stage killing, there's parts where you just it's like nothing's happening. You're just talking and taking a breath. That's real life. That's how funny shit happens. People go, man, that dude's funny, but there's so many parts where they're not even that funny. They're just talking. And I learned that to like, oh, I don't need to, I don't need to force this shit. I should be confident in my my material. Where I'm gonna be like, you know, and I learned because I can do, I can change my voice up really well. So I started to really take advantage of that. Sometimes I would do a joke where I'm whispering for 20 minutes, it's whispering. And Colin Quinn taught me that shit. Like sometimes just stay in the joke, man. Don't be afraid to leave that shit. Mm. And that could be, it's not a joke that you've written out 20 minutes, but it's just something that you've like worked on, yeah, worked man. on. And I and I then I'm I'm fearless too, so I don't really. 
I don't, I'm not afraid of shit. So, and you're fearless from that point in year 10 where you're like, okay, now I have the confidence to be Godfrey on stage. And how did you just, and I was really, I was kind of like that in my fifth, sixth year. I was kind of like that because I always did original shit. I always did shit that was like a little like, what the fuck? How'd you fucking say that? I was like, I don't know. I felt like it. Because I came from college being very militant, very pro-black, and so I used that energy with race, so I would attack race that way. I may not have been mature in the way I stated it, but I didn't give a fuck, and I threw it out there. And then the fact that I threw it out there helped me become a better comedian, because I was like, well, I said it. Well, fuck it. I'm here. That's going to that's gonna be me. And so what happened between the sixth year and the tenth year? What was the big leap in the tenth year? Uh, the being able to word everything right, to be able to connect the stories together and, mm. and be okay with like sitting in a joke and going, yeah, everyone's uncomfortable, but though there's a punchline coming, but I didn't rush it. Mm. Yeah. So being able to, because you're kind of like semi-failing in the moment and, and, and sitting and, and, with and that. But are we failing? That's another thing. Are you? We don't know that. Are you yeah. really failing? But if you get the fucking payoff, did you fail? I don't think so. If someone gets mad, so it's kind of like general advice. But if in someone life gets too. when someone gets right, if someone gets mad at you in a joke because they're uncomfortable, uh, the fuck do I look like? I'm not. I'm, this is my. This is an art form. If I'm getting you upset, I think I'm doing the right thing. Yeah. Because I'm talking about some fucked up shit. Like if I go, hey man, I'm a big fan of the Klan because I do Klan jokes. I do Klan jokes to Southerners. I'll be in the South and go, man, I love the Klan. Just that juxtaposition, they're like, what? Like, they just look at me like, uh, you know you're not supposed to be liking the clan. You know what you are, right? I know. But why not fuck with someone's mind like that? That's the art form. Uh, comedy is an, a form, uh, is an art of words. It's the art of words. It's the art of words. And when, 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 when words bring up images, like I was a psych major in college. When you think clan, you know exactly. You see, as a Jewish man, as a black, we're like, what? Clan, you think, right? Hangings, noose, white supremacy, hatred, death, boom. That's a conditioned response, right? And so I use that to my advantage to get a reaction out of it. But then I craft it, craft it to where I get a laugh. That's the art form. So it's almost like the premise is finding someone that takes them out of their kind of stored visual image. And then the punchline is, Whatever you said next after that. And then people's image of me as a black person, people have misconceptions about black people. They go, oh, there's a black comic. He'll probably talk about this, 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 and that. And then I talk about, I'm talking about, yeah, well, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Whoa, Neil deGrasse Tyson? The fuck? Yeah, I was on there for two episodes. I'm a science guy. Oh, shit, they would think you were more of a science guy than me. Right, you're probably more of a science guy than me. You know what I'm saying? They'd be like, whoa. But that's the beauty of, and it's fucked up, but that's the beauty of racism. That's the beauty of, of stereotypes. It's like when you can go opposite that. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's the fun of it. Some people don't, but I do. I go, ah, I'm going to go this way. I'm going to go this way. I got some, but I can do stereotypical shit, but that's not challenging to me. I'm going to go this way and make it funny and find the funny in that. And people go, wow. And I know there's some older white people go, oh, how'd you know all those movies? I go, my mother watched it. It's not a white, I could just turn the TV on. White people, black people turn on TVs too. We just go like that. We, they really didn't mind think we don't do that. Like you actually go to TCM or TCM or TMC or whatever, TCM, right? You really go to that channel. Yeah, it's on my cable package. 
You stop by the, you know, the American Movie Classic channel? Yeah, blacks don't all just watch NBA and Housewives of Atlanta. We actually go, yeah, let me watch a little movie classic. We do that. So again, challenging like the stereotypes, stereotypes yeah. finding the going, anger going in a situation. The That's right. Uh, how would you describe the flash joke that you did earlier? Oh, that was, um, be, it's angry. Yeah. Like, why is the flash still fucking white? For angry, but backed with facts. Like, backed sort of with, like. That's why I can be angry. Mm. It's comedy anger. Mm. It's comedy anger. It's not, it's co because you can't, you can't be angry where you, the funny goes away. You missed the funny. You were too angry with that one. You can't do that. It's not, first of all, my audience is a mixed audience. It's everybody. Everybody. So that's not fair to some white dude. I mean, I'm going to talk about him. But I gotta make it funny, man. Cause then why don't I just be a preacher then? I should just be a preacher. There's a the beautiful thing about this planet, there's a time, there's just there, you, everybody can be whatever they want. You can be a clan member. You can be one. You can be a clan member. Clan people who are around. They actually exist. They just stay where they stay. It's so funny because they they're kind of they're kind of fucking cowards. As much as they're so supreme, they don't move around a lot, do they? Right, That's they always, funny too. You know, they don't come to Times Square because everybody they hates there. <laughs> There's too many of them. But they'll be in the woods like, "Fuck that white supremacy." Well, why is it you're so supreme? Why don't you come to New York? Express yourself. Well, <laughs> Godfrey, where's the next place people can find you? When Other than stand up New York when comedy is this being club. Show? Uh, when is this being shown? <laughs> next week or two. Next week or two. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be, you guys are the worst. I'll be, you can look, um, you know, usually on my Instagram, follow me on Instagram, Comedian Godfrey. Uh, Twitter is Godfrey Comedian. Also, I'll be at Cobb's Comedy Club in San Francisco, Sacramento Comedy Club, Sacramento, California, the punchline in Sacramento. How do also, you, I'll um, be in LA. How do you keep your relationships intact if you, if you, given the travel? My relationships, like, what do you, oh, like oh, girlfriends. Man. They're used to it. It's like, you just keep in, I don't know. You call them, text them. <laughs> no. uh, this is, it's like as, this long, is as all, long as it's working. This I don't know. It's all to me, so I don't know. I mean, you could be local and a girl hates you. Hell. Yeah. You can have a shitty relationship no matter what the distance is. Right. You, you know what I mean? It doesn't matter. I don't think it matters anymore. It's like if it works, it works, and it doesn't, it doesn't. Unless you just I'm, I'm live think too about far that. from each other and you just don't see each other, but that's not even a relationship. But you can be. Your girlfriend can be in Jersey or can be down the street and she can be mad at you. Don't matter. Doesn't All right. Matter. On that, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the most powerful advice I'm, I'm using there it of all. Is. <laughs> uh, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Finally, yeah. I finally got here. I thought I was going to you know, be a rich man after this, <laughs> but you remain the rich one. We'll Jesus. see. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah. If you like listening to this, Subscribe to the James Altucher Show wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Thanks a lot, Godfrey. This is great. Yeah. Hey, I am so glad you listened to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as well. Please take a moment to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is you get your podcasts. It will only take you a second, but it will help other people discover the podcast. And my goal is to share this great content with as many people as possible. To see the show notes, just head on over to jamesaltucher.com slash podcast. 
While you are there, you can join my free insiders list to get notified when I post a new podcast. Every day, I also share my best and most controversial ideas. You won't get this stuff anywhere else. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next time. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.